I want to say that on Thursday, um, God gave me a message. It wasn't a deep message, but it was filled with, um, I felt, revelation from God. I, I think a lot of people felt the same way. And that message was called, How Is Your Soul? I've never really had a message title like that before or heard the Lord tell me or ask that question, How Is Your Soul? Like doing a soul checkup. So if you haven't caught that message yet, part one, because I'm going to do part two already. I've already begun to study that out. Part two will be this coming Thursday, but you can, get, you can get it online. It's Well, I should say part three because we actually had the devil attack us in the middle of that program. So there's a part one and part two already that's out there. We had to divide it in the same night. But um, we talked about the soul and the soul having to do with your, the soul actually is your mind, your will, and your emotions. A lot of people think, well, when you die, your soul goes to heaven. Well, your soul goes with you, but your spirit's you. The spirit is who you are. There's three parts of you, like God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. There's three parts of you. What is it? It's your soul, it's your spirit, and it's your, your body, your flesh, right? But your soul also is three parts. And the three parts is mind, will, and emotions. I talked about on Thursday as well how the spirit of fear is what manipulates the soul realm of us the most. The spirit of fear. And I said how the spirit of fear, if you allow it, it has a gift to give you. It's called the gift of visions. People say, I've never had a vision before in my life. Uh, most people are having visions all the time, but they don't understand either it's from God or it's from the devil. But they're quickly to receive the ones from the devil than they are from God. The spirit of fear can manipulate them. And it's a voice they're familiar with because they haven't retrained or re renewed their mind to know that God's actually shown you something great. And fear will always give you the worst outcome possible. So he does it by way of a vision. When he gives you something, he doesn't give you a word. He puts something in your mind or within your imagination. I said something right there. Hallelujah. The title of my message is Mind Wars. Father, today, in the precious name of Jesus, we come before you and give you all the thanks and all the glory. We're not afraid of nothing. There's nothing to be afraid of. When everything, Lord God, your word points to says that we have victory, victory, victory in Jesus. So everything's looking up. Everything's going up, Lord. you got great plans for us in the earth, and we give you thanks for that, Lord God. Be with every single person, Lord, this morning as they're hearing me, or maybe they're hearing me at night, however they're getting this, this, this online campus experience, Lord. We ask now that you be with them and they would have revelation knowledge themselves to free their minds to become all that you called them to be, I pray, in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen and amen. Isaiah 26, verse 3 says this. You will keep him in perfect peace. Everybody's looking for peace today. Shalom, nothing missing, nothing lacking, everything restored, or the sense of peace that comes upon us that surpasses, <clears throat> as the word says, all understanding, right? We want that peace, that, that calmness, that, that inner uh, quietness to know that even though there's a raging storm all around us, that peace be still is on the inside of us. The Bible says, God actually said, you'll keep this, us in perfect peace. Watch this. Here's the stipulation. Whose mind? Talking about mind wars today. Who's going to win the battlefield here? Mind wars whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Now, there's much I want to say about that, but let me just say it this way, is that he's very clear. I'm going to give all those that need it perfect peace, 
But the condition is their mind has to be stayed on me. It can't be looking off to the right or to the left. It cannot, excuse me, be looking at the circumstances. It cannot be looking at the news reports. It cannot be looking at the doctor's report or the financial reports. Your mind must be stayed on him, and then I'll grant him perfect peace. But also it says, because he puts his trust in you. That lets me know that my mind can choose trust. Right now, right now just say this after me. Say, today I trust you, God. I choose with my will, with my mind, with my emotions to trust you, oh God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, <clears throat> some years ago, and I don't necessarily always like to tell the story. I like to tell the, the good parts of our life. But you know, the truth is, is a lot of good came out of it. And I believe a lot of good will come out of telling the story to you to let you know that sometimes our minds can get a little bit weary and um, can go a little crazy on us sometimes and we don't see a way out or, or a place of hope. And um, some years back, our church went through a, a real uh, tumultuous time. At the time, we were leading two churches one in Beloit and one in Milwaukee, both about the same size ministries. Even the buildings were about the same size. And, and, uh, and, and God had caused us to, to really have a lot and, uh, and a lot to do and a lot to be responsible for. And it was like we went through this, this season of attack. How many has ever been through a season of attack or know what I'm talking about? It was terrible. And you're thinking, why? How did this come in? Where, where did this even come from? And that attack led us into a place where um, we begin to be overwhelmed by the warfare that was happening. There were people in our ministry that began to uprise and, 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 and begin to talk about us behind our backs and talk about the ministry. And there were places of leadership and, and um, begin to spread rumors and lies um, that went throughout the leadership. And for a while, it kind of stayed there, and then it began to trickle into the rest of the church. And a lot of this was unbeknownst to us. And by the time it got to my wife and I, it had already just infiltrated the church in Beloit, and then it went up into Milwaukee. And so there was a big exodus out of both churches. And it was a very, very, very hard season. For about six months, it was like one family after the other were beginning to believe the lies and, and, and move on with their lives and so on. And um, it was a very difficult season, not because of that, but it was like a perfect storm. We're talking about perfect peace, but sometimes the perfect storm comes before the perfect peace can invade your life. And, and so we uh, also fell into that 2008-2009 bracket where the economy uh, begin to sink, and of course, people were losing their jobs. So we were losing people, which meant money was going out the door as well. Not just people we loved, but also income in our church, <clears throat> our churches, and um, uh, people uh, had to job relocate. And people that they weren't mad at us, but they just had to get out of town and find a job somewhere else. It was a very difficult thing, and our all of our income began to drop in both places to about fifty percent of what we were taking, what we were taking in just months before. And so we have these television bills, and we've got these mortgages, and we've got these uh, auto automobiles like our, our vans and, and the insurances and all the stuff. And we had uh, about 14 people on staff during that time, and, and so we had to begin to lay people off. 
the most difficult thing in my life was to have to lay people off. And, and everybody said they loved each other, but at the end of the day, it, the enemy got occasion to get in there. And next thing you know, they became, began to be salty and upset about certain things. And, and it was just the biggest, biggest uh, debacle I'd ever walked through in my entire life. It was an absolute spiritual battle. Not just in the natural, but spiritual and so at the same time that we're fighting that and, and trying to put out the fires that were going around the congregation of just pure lies, just pure lies. And while we're doing that, our finances, were, we were struggling and struggling. Next thing you know, we were two months, months behind in our mortgage. And, and I didn't tell the church nothing because I'm praying, I'm believing, I'm asking God. You know, the last thing you want to do is tell people that you're going down. You know, you, I want to stand as a man of faith and a man of God. And I've since learned that you need the people of God to back you. You need the people of God to, to be with you. And that's one of the things I've learned as a pastor. And, um, and so... and. Uh, but I, we didn't know how to handle it during those days. We were just going, we were going through so much personal battle. The next thing you know, we had a lawsuit that was against completely erroneous. And it was a, a little bit of truth that got exploded to something that was completely wrong. But you have to answer the lawsuit. Went on for three and a half years. You have no choice in Wisconsin. You have to answer that lawsuit. And so thousands and thousands of dollars going towards lawsuits. And, and, and you're thinking, what in God, what have I stepped into? It was like on every side. Next thing you know, we're fighting just to keep our buildings, fighting just to keep our buildings. And we weren't the only ones. Churches all over America during that time, some of you might remember this, were doing the same thing. They were fighting. Their battle might not have been as bad as ours because we were getting it for much more than just the, the, the mortgage side of it. But we were all fighting. Man, I had friends that lost their buildings and didn't know what they were going to do for church anymore. And people lost faith in them. And it was just a, it was just a bad, bad, bad time. And um, I'm saying this because I re recognize there are people going through a lot of turmoil. And the mind war that goes on is so much stronger than even though it's going on around outside of you. It's what's in here. And I want to teach you some things today that's going to help you along the way. And so we were fighting. They said, yeah, we're going to work with you with the buildings. Don't worry about it. We're going to keep working with you. Next thing you know, we get a whole legal document in the mail on December 21st saying that our buildings were sold. Now, I'm going to tell you something because they had the right to do it because we, went, we did go into a 90-day default. and We did stretch into that period. We had a conversation with them before that. And, and, and next thing you know, it was a bad situation. I don't even like bringing this stuff up. I don't even like talking about it at all. But I feel like I need to do this prophetically because I feel like it's going to set people free and even create a prophetic atmosphere for the future. That God's, he's up to something even when it looks like it's so bad you're going down and there is no hope. Everybody, everybody say this after me. Say there is hope. Write that in the comments. There is hope. This God can cause, cause water to come out of a rock. At the last second, he can split the Red Sea. Come on, y'all. At the last second, you can give him a shout of praise and the enemy begins to defeat themselves. God answers that way. God's dramatic. You know, I, I, I want him to answer me, you know, a year before that, but he does it right the last second, praise God, so that he can get all the glory. Did you hear me? So he can get all the glory. How do you remember that date, Pastor? The date that uh, they sold the buildings and, and all that. I remember that date well, December 21st, because it happens to be my birthday. So on my birthday, you don't think I was upset? I took those papers and I took to God and said, Lord, this is, this, is what, this is what you get by serving you? How is this possible? This is my birthday? Oh, well, I was upset. I, you know, I repented later, but I was really upset. 
And um, we um, obviously begin to set ourselves to pray and believe God for a miracle. And we had back and forth, and, and we ended up, um, we ended up uh, talking with the company that, uh, that had bought the, bought the buildings. And so we had a span of time we, uh, to be in the facility. And, and, and I will t- I, there's a lot of good that came out of that, to be quite honest with you. A lot of savings monthly came out of that. They just wanted people to be in this building and taking care of it. And uh, all of that, but we didn't want to just take care of this. Is our property? God gave us this property. God gave us that property in Beloit. That was our property, and so we set ourselves to pray and believe God. And Pastor Terry and Pastor Rachel down in Beloit were doing the exact same thing, and we would not back down. But there were times, there were moments that I begin to crumble under the pressure and say, God, what are we going to do? It looks like they're not going to move on this deal. And just at the midnight hour. Right at the moment that we were about to sign the deal, we got them finally to, to agree to a certain, uh, a certain uh, number. And at the last second, they called and said, hey, we have a group that wants to come in to see your building. And we, we're going to ask you to open the building so they can see it. They're a very serious buyer, and uh, we would like to have them take a look at the building. I'm thinking, you've got to be kidding me. So we opened the door, showed them around. Very, uh, uh, it was a Hispanic group. And I don't know, remember the name of the company uh, here in town, and, uh, but they were very serious, sharp business people. And they're, they're going around my building that God gave me saying, oh, we could do this here. We could do that there. And I'm thinking, this is the devil. This is the devil. My heart's sinking. You know, the whole thing, you got all that stuff. And you don't know what to do. And I went, I, after they, we closed the, the building and, and, and they left, I didn't know what to do. I went to bed numb that night. Could barely sleep. Got up early in the morning. When I woke up in the morning, God said, get up, go down the church, and I want you to walk around the building seven times like you did the first time those years ago. Walk around the building seven times and claim this building for me and for faith builders, just like you did before. I said, yes, sir. I put on my joggers, got my ball cap on, came down here and walked around the building seven times. I picked up a stone each time and put it in my pocket. Picked up a stone each time, put it in my pocket. I still got those stones to this day on my desk at home and, or in my drawer because I, I need to put my desk together. Hallelujah. But I got, I got that, those stones that I put them in my pocket each time. And I began, I got a revelation from God. And the revelation, I was crying out to God, claiming the building, crying out to God, claiming the And I got a revelation. I said, Lord, it's not that the people that came in there are bad people. They're good people. Lord, and I'm telling you, I, this is when the power of God came upon me. You see, you need revelation. You need your mindset to change. That your heart and your mind come in the power of agreement. And I said, Lord, they're good people. Find them a good place. Find them the best place in the city that will meet every need and more. Give them a deal of a lifetime. Bless, bless, bless that group, I pray in Jesus' name. The only thing is, Lord, it's not this place. 4901 South Howell Avenue belongs to you and belongs to faith builders, and it will remain there in the name of Jesus. I'm telling you, I knew I got my victory. I knew I got my victory. And after I got done praying, God said, now go to Steve Muncy's church. It was Wednesday night. He said, drive over there. He said, and, and there, God, I'm going to give you a word. And so I got over to Steve Muncy's church that night, uh, barely I saw him just about five minutes before service started. He got up and preaching. He's preaching his full head off. I mean, he's going to town, and he, he's doing good. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, he said, Jeff Pruitt, get up here. And he calls me up to the platform. He's got about 2,000 people there that night. Calls me up on the platform, and he says, hear the word of the Lord. You will not lose your building. The Lord has seen what you have done. Now, he doesn't know anything. 
You will not lose your building. The Lord has seen what you've done. He said, in seven days, this thing is going to turn around in your favor. And I go crazy. They go crazy. Everybody goes crazy. I mean, the power of God's in the place, and I knew I had my promise. I will tell you, I don't think it was seven days, but within about six weeks, we heard nothing back from that group. Probably in seven days, they'd already found something else. Who knows? But I know the word of the Lord came to pass, and they said, Pastor Pruitt, we're ready to do a deal with you. I said, now we're talking. So when we sat at the table, we decided we're going to do a better deal than the one deal that we had just a moment ago before those people came. We want to give you half of the value of the building. And they said yes. And we saved a million dollars on our loan. Somebody say amen. And now we only owe just a little over a million dollars on our property. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. God can do it in the midnight hour. God can do it for you. And God can cause a hopeless situation to become filled with hope in just a matter of time. Yes, it came on my birthday, but the best gift I could have possibly get by God was the fact that God was true to his word. And whatever he promises, he will make come to pass. You just got to get your mind set around that. Proverbs 23, 7 says, For as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Church, your thoughts are internal images. Your thoughts are real. They're they're, they're real to you. They, They create an internal image on the inside that your mind actually perceives as reality. So whatever the image is on the inside, your mind believes is the truth. That's why you can have a dream. I've talked about this before. In the middle of the night, that's totally logical when you wake up. Or illogical when you wake up. But when you, when you, when you start to look at it, you go, wow. I must have thought it was real because I was sweating. I was scared. I, 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 to me, the dream was completely real. Your mind didn't know the difference between what was real and what wasn't real. It believed because that was the image you were seeing on the inside. And the truth is whatever you see on the inside is what will manifest on the outside. And it starts with your thoughts. How do you know what thoughts are real and which ones are false? How do you know the difference? Well, Hebrews 4.12 makes it very clear to us. It says the word of God is sharper than a two-edged sword. Watch what it does, the word. It pierces even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, mind, will, and emotions, and spirit. And it's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So how do we know what's a real thought and what's a false thought or a God thought or a devil thought or a me thought, the word of God rightly divides those thoughts in you. And if you don't have the word of God, like I'm preaching today in your life, it's easy to be deceived by what you see and by what you hear. I said on Thursday, the thing that God's saying prophetically to all of us is guard what goes in your eyes and guard what goes into your ears. The devil will whisper something or show you something and it will seem so real like there's no way out that's the way it's going to be he talks so professional he talks uh so uh secure like he knows exactly what he's saying and and you shouldn't cross him because he's smarter than you the devil knows exactly how to talk he comes as an angel of light but not the when the word of god comes on the scene the word of god is the real light and then you begin to see the darkness that is in, that, in, in Satan or in that word or in that circumstance. And it will begin to divide. 
so you know, you know what to choose. God's people are so easily deceived because they won't take the time to know God's word. They want to mix their soul into it, not their spirit. The spirit takes more work. But the soul easily grabs onto the things of the world because it's all been trained. That's why the Bible says you've got to renew your soul. You've got to renew your mind to the word of God. Otherwise, we become gullible. And it's meditation on those thoughts, whatever they may be, that become the pathway to their manifestation. Meditation brings manifestation. Whatever you meditate on is what's going to manifest in your life. And your thoughts are the essence of what you will ultimately become. Did you hear what I said? Your thoughts are the essence of what you will ultimately become. It literally shapes the image of who you are. Everything that you are today started with a thought. You ever... And, and, and those thoughts, those thoughts are derived by, are derived by your, um, your elements, your... your um, What's the word I'm looking for? You know, your, um, uh, your surroundings, okay? How, how many have ever seen that movie called Twins? Uh, Danny DeVito and Arnold Schwarzenegger. Funny movie. I think it's clean. Uh, I, can't, I haven't seen it in a while. I, well, I, one, it was one of my favorite movies. I just can't remember if it's clean or not. But I think it's pretty good. And, um, and Danny DeVito and Arnold Schwarzenegger, are, they're twins, Everybody's thinking, how can that possibly be, you know? And, and they do certain things, like at the same time, they'll, they'll scratch their, their backside or, or they'll do a little twerk at the same, you know, uh, some, something they'll do uh, that, that, that the other one does at the exact same time or, or whatever to show that they're twins. But, but, they, but their lives are completely separated. They live completely different. And in the movie, Arnold Schwarzenegger, because Danny DeVito's kind of crying about it a little bit, and Arnold says, well, it's not your fault that you're this way. It's because of how you were raised. I was raised with the best teachers. I was raised with the most money. I was the raised, raised in, in a good environment, and you were not. And so we're products of our environment. There's a lot of truth to that. And so our mindsets are built by the circumstances that are around us, and that image inside of us creates who we are. But I'm trying to teach you good news to say you don't have to stay that way. All you have to do is create a new image on the inside of you. With a little work every single day and the word of God and the Holy Spirit, who's the great teacher, come on somebody, can change and rearrange your life forever. You ever been around someone who has to be real loud all the time? I, I have a loud family and, and I guess I'm, I'm, I'm told that I'm kind of loud. And um, the image of themselves, people say, well, they must be super confident because they're super loud. I found out that most loud people are the, most, the people that have the most insecurity. And so they're loud because uh, they're tired of being taken advantage of. They're loud because they're tired of not being heard. They're loud because they're tired of not feeling important. And so I need to be heard. I'm over here. Everybody, I'm here. Don't, don't overlook me now. And I guess I'm loud, so I must be a little insecure too. My family's always saying, you always have to have the center of attention. You always got to feel the attention from this or that and the other. And, and I don't see that at all. I don't know how they even, I don't get that. But anyways, and so I'm sure I deal with some insecurity. I want to be heard. I don't want you to look 
Oh, one of my pet peeves, probably insecure. Now I'm really telling on myself, what have I got myself into here? <laughs> I don't like it when I'm looking at somebody, telling them something, and they look over my shoulder. You know what I do? I just walk away. I don't say nothing, I walk away. I know that's not Christian, but I feel like that they, they wasn't Christian either, praise God. So it's good. No words, we just walk away, part in peace. Hallelujah. I feel like you're not going to listen to me, why am I talking? I'm working on stuff, y'all. I, I love being your pastor, and I need prayer. Hallelujah. So <clears throat> I'm saying to you that you, we, can, we can all change the image that we've created because if we don't change the image of what we have inside that was produced by our thoughts, then we will have a life of those thoughts through that image. Genesis 127 says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So God is the creator. And he created us in his image. We are to have the image of God as our dominant thoughts every single day. I believe that we have now crest, we've crested, we've now, we've now uh, walk through the threshold, if you will, into an era of time where God is expecting us to walk with him. And what he, what he would wink at before in the past, he's not winking at any longer. And he's expecting us to show up with him every single day and to, and to walk in that way that we have an image of God. We carry God wherever we go. And um, that our thoughts are filled with him. In other words who God is, and what God has purposed us to be is the image of God on the inside of us. Who God is and what he's purposed you and I to be. Uh, look at 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. It says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty in God. God makes a distinction you might be in the world, but you're not of the world. You might be in flesh, but you're not of flesh. Jesus said, you don't know what manner of spirit you are of. So in other words, we're of spirit. We're of a manner of spirit. His spirit, the spirit of God dwells in us. Our spirit dwells, and we're very, very, very powerful. We can command angels, and angels have to go. At the bidding of our word, as long as the word of the Lord. Amen, somebody. Here is saying, we've got weapons, but those weapons are not made of flesh. They're not carnal, but they are mighty in God. For what? Pulling down strongholds. Casting down arguments. Arguments means this. Vain or wrong imaginations. We have the spiritual ability to bring down. The highest part of our body is our heads, our brain, our minds to bring down arguments or wrong, vain imaginations. And every high thing also comes down that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So we have no excuses. We're to walk around with the image of God. We're spiritual beings, which means that we can actually have the mind of Christ. Getting a little ahead of myself, but I'm going to say it right now. The mind of Christ, the Bible says. And we can do that by using our authority with our spiritual weapons to cast down, making a choice 
that vain imaginations must go. What's a vain imagination? Anything that's contrary to what God has put as an image in you. Anything that's contrary to the image of his word. Amen. Now, I said something, I believe it was last week. I'll say again. If the devil can't abort the truth, he'll distort the truth. If the devil can't abort the truth, he will distort the truth. That's exactly what he did with Adam and Eve in the beginning of time. He said, hath God said? He's beginning to take the word and twist it. He's wicked. Wicked uh, twist means to twist. It comes from the word wicker, to twist. He takes the word, hath God said that in the day you uh, touch the tree, that you shall surely die? Well, he didn't say if you touch it, he said if you eat it. But he's taking the words of God and he's beginning to twist them. He's what? He's distorting the truth. To get to the what? To be deceived. Get them off course and into sin. Where the curse is. How about Jesus in the wilderness? Satan comes to test Jesus. And he says, you know, if you're the son of God, he says, um, bow down and worship me. And he said, all the kingdoms you see, takes him on the high pinnacle. All the kingdoms you see, I will give to you if you'll bow down to worship me. And Jesus says, it is written, worship the Lord thy God, him only. It was a rebuke. He used the devil is trying to distort the truth. Why? Because Jesus was going to go to the cross to die and purchase back and redeem man's dominion over all the kingdoms. And Satan was saying, if you just bow down, you you don't escape all the pain. You have to escape all of that stuff. Just do what I want, and I'll give it to you for nothing. That's how the devil comes to us. Always bartering, always dealing, always trying to get us to sin a little because of, hey, after all, you deserve it. And you know what? It's not that bad. You saw sister so-and-so do it, and she seemed to be just fine. And brother so-and-so was doing that over there. Can you believe that? But look at him. He's still prospering. But what has God said to you? 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4 whose minds the God of this age has blinded, talking about the devil, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is in the, in the image of God, should shine on them. I want to tell you, it's very difficult to receive revelation of God. It's very difficult to receive revelation of what God is saying. When your mind is blind by the pervading voices around you. When your thoughts are on sensory overload. Really difficult in that moment to get a revelation from God. You don't wait to get a revelation of God. You live in the revelation of God daily. That's when you you must remember what God said in his word to you. He said, be still and know that I am God. So in moments when you're overwhelmed, sensory overload, my mind is going crazy here. Be still and know. When I was going through all that trouble back in those days, I hear God would say to me, son, don't try to figure it out. Be still. Just be still. Thank me. Worship me. I'm on the move. Then with my mind, I had to choose to trust God. That somehow, some way, He was going to make everything all right. And I couldn't see the way, y'all. I could not see it. It was a mess. 
But look at us. God is using us. God has promoted us. God has blessed us. And we're just getting started with what God has called us to do. That is the, that is the bona fide truth right there. So we outlasted our enemies. And not only that, and God blessed them. You know, he said, bless your enemies. God bless our enemies. It propelled us. It made us stronger. But regardless, it, it, it actually kept us on course. And remember I told you about the, the tornado, the dream that God gave me, and it came right for the church. And then I rebuked it and missed the church, and it came right toward me. And that whole scenario, but at the end, it just missed me, but it slapped me with the tail and sent me down my little bike going flying down on, on uh, Howell Avenue. I don't know how far I was going really fast. And at first I was afraid, but then I realized this is incredible. And I realized the bike represents the ministry, and it was freedom, and I was in the flow of God, and I was just flying. So in other words, what the devil means for evil, God will mean for good. But you got to make up your mind to be still and know that he is God and trust him in these moments and say, everything's going to, I don't know how you're going to do it, Lord God, but you are going to do it because that's what you do. My mind is stayed on you. And I trust in you, therefore perfect peace comes to me. And I can smile and I can rejoice because I know it's going to be okay. Pastor, how do you get through some of those dilemmas in your life that you have? Because I got them. I, sometimes I have them on a daily basis. And, and, and I'm like everybody else, wondering. But what I've done is, I've, I, I, I'm, I'm not living by my experiences, but I, I recognize he did get me through some of these things before, and he's going to get me through this one as well. I choose to trust you because you're the God that is a promise keeper, and you'll never, ever forsake me, and you'll never forsake you. I'm not preaching like I normally do, but I feel like this is a powerful, powerful word. It's just coming out of me this way. I was praying uh, two days ago. And the Lord said to me, many of my people pray, and they want to know what the devil is doing so that they can stop his plans. But if they only knew that what he's planning means nothing. Ask me, son. Ask me, and I will tell you my secret plans before they are public. Well, I plan on doing that. How about you? I think we spend too much time giving the devil credit, thinking, oh, my God, I'll smart the devil because here we are being attacked. What's the next thing? Well, here's what we see happening. We can forecast that now, and we can forecast it over there, and we can for No, 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 no. What's God's plan? What is heaven saying? What is the voice of the Lord? Even if you've got to be one crying in the wilderness, that's what God expects you to do. When will we trust the living God? When will we trust God and his word? Are we going to be like those that stayed on one side of the Jordan and just were comfortable rather than those that decide we're crossing the Jordan? If God was with us in the Red Sea, he'll be with us with the giants and we will take our territory. When will we become those people? Hallelujah. The prophetic is on me now. Deuteronomy 29, 29. The secret things belong to the Lord our God. Watch this. They don't belong to the devil. Who cares what he's planning? Who cares what he plots? If God reveals it to you, praise God, you'll know how to pray in that prayer. But who cares why ask? It matters not to God. 
The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever. So our job is to get in the secret place with God and say, Lord, what are you up to? What is the will of the Father? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Hallelujah! What is your plan today? Roll it out, O God, and I'll be one to stand firm and say, this is what I'll do for this is the day the Lord has planned, made, and I will rejoice and be glad in it. And what he, what the Bible says, what he reveals to you, now what belongs to him belongs to you. God wants to give you authority with your family. He wants to give you authority in your business. He wants to give you authority in your community. He wants to give you authority in your life. But you've got to seek him. Seek him in the secret place and find the secrets of God that they may belong to you and to your children forever. Hallelujah. We need to start claiming this every day of our lives. Okay. So we're talking about the image of God and how the image of God controls what we believe. Image comes from the imagination. Well, image comes from the word Image comes from the word. And that word, I don't know the way to say it, just ever say it. That word that's the image becomes your imagination. God gave you an imagination. When we were kids, we were taught to use it. When we were adults, we said that's what children do. Well, I thought you just said, Pastor, got to cast down vain imaginations. I said, yeah, vain imaginations, wrong imaginations. He didn't say cast down good and godly imaginations. Your imagination is your vision. God implants something to you with his word. It, it becomes a visual because it always does. It always, always does. It becomes a visual of you in that, in somehow in that vision. And what happens is your imagination begins to add the pieces that belong in that world. Statement. Imagination is taking dominion over your thoughts. Thoughts are coming in your mind by the thousands every single hour. Thousands and thousands of thoughts every hour. Imagination takes dominion over your thoughts. Imagination harnesses, organizes, and brings order and direction to your thoughts. That's the power of it. But the same is true, imagination could go bad on you. And now you have a vain imagination. And it begins to harness and organize the wrong thoughts. So the word of God separates that. So I live by the word of God. It separates that so that I'm able to have the right imagination that I harness and organize the right thoughts that come through. Imagination gives your thoughts an assignment. It's not your thought that your thoughts are running wild anymore. Your thoughts aren't running wild anymore. Your imagination begins to put it in order and says, I can make use of this. I don't want that in my life, but I like this. Imagination, imagination is the creative power of God to recreate and to redesign your life. And it works best with a renewed mind through the word of God. Can't get away from the word. Now I want you to look at Jeremiah 1, verse 10. It starts off by saying, saying this. It says, see, 
S-E-E, which means same thing to imagine. Because he's asking them to see something that doesn't exist. Imagine, I have this day set you over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out, to pull down, to destroy, and to throw down, to build, and to plant. Moreover, the word Lord came to me saying, Jeremiah, what do you imagine? And I said, I imagine a branch of an almond tree. The Lord said to me, you have seen or imagined well, for I am ready to perform my word. Don't throw your imagination away. It's the God's zone of you to begin to recreate and redirect your life. What do you see? Jeremiah, here's what you're going to do. Can you see it? Yes. I can imagine that. I can see that. Stay with that. Now mingle that with my word. Now begin to walk out that thing on a day-to-day basis and let it get stronger in you and stronger in you. Let faith grow in it until you add even more. And then you begin to see it manifest its way into your life. Joshua 6, 1. Now Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, see, imagine. Because it hadn't happened yet. I have given Jericho into your hand. It's king and the mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city. All you men of war, you shall go around the city once. This you shall do six days. And we know that God gave him powerful deliverance and the walls came down. There was supernatural deliverance based on the image that Joshua was willing to create in his life. Can you see the miracle? Can you see the breakthrough? Can you see the healing? Can you see that marriage being put back together again? Can you see your children serving God with their hands worshiping the Lord? Can you see, Pastor, your church growing and the respect you deserve coming in and, and the glory of God visiting your congregation? Can you see that? You see, this is what we're expected to do. God expects us to have the image of God, the image of his word daily on the inside of us so strong that it's more real to us inside than what's going on outside of us in the name of Jesus. If our minds are not renewed to the word of God, our imaginations will be inferior to the purposes of God in our lives. In other words, the word builds you up to begin to believe more so your imagination's filled up more with his purpose. But if you don't have that word of God back and you're not filling yourself up with the word of God, it's almost like, um, it's almost like trying to float down the river on um, a raft that has not been blown up there. You need the word of God to blow it up, fill it up, and now it can do what it's supposed to do. So God says, build that business. But if your image is still working for someone else, still getting a paycheck from somebody else, there's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. But if God tells you to build a business and you're still thinking about, yeah, but I need a paycheck and I'm comfortable doing what I'm doing, it's going to be really hard to get you out of that job. you got to build yourself up in faith with the word that produces another image in your life. And lastly, Ephesians 3.20 says this, Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, 
above all that you ask or think according to the power that works in us. Ask or think. God will do far exceeding abundantly above all that you can ask or imagine. Thoughts, thinking, mind. So the mind war that we get involved in is the doubting that what God says can actually come to pass. I've got one scenario after the other I could go with and talk to you about, but for sake of time, I won't. I'll leave that with you. I hope this has blessed you today, but be encouraged. Everything in your world can flip starting today. Getting that word in you, building a new image on the inside of you, your imagination explodes with possibility of God, and then you begin to carry that out and walk that out.